All right, and we are live. Three, two, one. Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum, guys. Welcome to the Umarpreneur Live podcast. In this new setting right now, in a new home that I just moved to, you can see a few plants behind me, but it's going to get nicer soon. And I'm joined by none other than Brother Ali Jawad. And guys, I'm so excited to introduce to you this amazing British Paralympic powerlifter. And really, the story of Ali is he was someone that was born without legs, and despite that, still took up powerlifting at the age of 16. And he went on to compete in the 2012 Summer Paralympics in London, finishing fourth. And not only that, the following year, he made a world record lift and took gold at the Asian Open Championships. Mashallah. And guys, at the 2014 Powerlifting Championships in Dubai, he became world champion in his class, setting another world record lifting 190 kg. So I'm so excited because I think this is, you know, one of the most accomplished, amazing guests that I've been able to bring on, alhamdulillah. And he's so generously given us his time to be able to join me today. He's known for his academic work on anti-doping. He also works as well right now on creating a new fitness app. And we're going to talk about all of that and what that looks like. But Ali, just salam alaikum. I'm so happy you joined me. Welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you, brother. No, thanks for having me on. It's an honor, man. The honor is completely mine and the pleasure is completely mine. And we start every podcast the same. And I want people to get to know you. Get to know Ali because, you know, behind all these gold medals and these world records, in the end, you're a lovable, relatable person. And I want people to share, you know, to know your story, to know about you. So I want to know, can you tell us more about the beginning, right? Your childhood, your upbringing, what that looked like. Let's start right at the beginning. Yeah, so I think for me, um, I'll probably go back to when I was born. Um, so I was born in Lebanon um in well, 1989 so it means i'm quite old uh, but at, at the time um lebanon didn't really um kind of have anything in place for people that were disabled mm -hmm. probably because of the circumstances of the country in terms of the the war and just people just being poor in general so um when i was born um the doctor was pretty much pretty much said to my parents to get rid of me because i had no life and uh, my parents said, well, no, we're going to make sure that, you know, he, he has a normal upbringing. So um, they decided to come to the UK, London, um, to potentially give me that, that you know, whatever normal is, that normal life. And, um, yeah, so as a, as a kid growing up in uh, North London, I um, they, they kind of they, they knew that even though I had a physical disability, I had a brain. They felt that potentially I, I could do something with it. So they had um, had a lot of pressure into kind of taking me to special needs schools. Mm -hmm. But they said, no, we're going to take them to a mainstream school. But the, the twist was, was that actually uh, they took me to a school that had no facilities, no ramps, no lifts. They, go, they said to me, like, this is life. You're going to have to get through it. So adapt now. And uh, this is normal. So uh, go and play. Um, I couldn't believe it because um, I, I felt it was actually normal that there was no facilities. So I just adapted every single day as a kid, not actually thinking this is against every health and safety possible. Um, but, but what it did was it taught me that actually I can adapt pretty easily. And what it did was I knew my abilities and what I was capable of. And um, I was always in the popular groups. So I was never bullied. So, um, you know, for me, um, it was an upbringing that actually, you know, for me, it, it kind of justified why we came over just to make me kind of... Um, Live, live normally definitely and you know it's it's so amazing to hear that and, you know because it really sounds like from the beginning your family wanted you to not feel like you're an outsider they didn't want you to feel like you were different right and and did does that did that translate for you in in other areas of your life as you grew up did you feel 
like you were different? Did you feel like you were an outsider? Did you did you did you just realize? Well, you know, what was your mindset like growing up? I'm curious. Um, so this is, this is quite weird. I, I felt like an outsider because I felt that other people around me, their stands were a bit less than mine. Uh, and I felt like even though I was in the popular groups, right. um, them groups were, they still didn't have the, the, the level that I thought I was going to be at eventually. And that's not arrogant or big head. It was the fact that I, I was dreaming of, of going to the Paralympic Games. Wow. Um, as a kid, when you go to a, when you, when you dream about competing at that sort of level, uh, unfortunately, you have to be quite harsh on yourself. And my parents were um, kind of, they were very um, harsh on me because uh, yeah. I was the same, didn't really care. They were like, look, you've got a brain, you've got all this potential. Uh, we're going to be as harsh as possible to, for you to get there. And uh, your disability doesn't, doesn't really factor in it. It's your brain and how much you can uh, apply yourself and adapt. And, um, and that's what they did. So for me, I, yeah, I guess I felt like the outsider because I was kind of really harsh on my on myself from the very beginning. Right. Wow. Well, you actually, you know, spent your entire life and as you mentioned, no facilities. So you would actually, I mean, powerlifting started at a young age. You had to lift yourself up every single piece, every single stair <laughs> to go to where you were going. So what was the moment where you realized, wait, this is actually going to be something that I want to do? I want to be a power lifter, right? What inspired you to pursue sports professionally? In fact, it didn't actually start with powerlifting. Um, it started when I was about six when I watched Michael Johnson win his um, historic 200 and 400 meter gold medals at the Atlanta Olympics. Um, and I knew that I couldn't run like him because I had no legs, but I thought I needed to feel what he was feeling on top of the podium. Um, mm. I needed to find a sport that I was good at to get there. So when I was 11, I started judo for four years. Um, unfortunately, with judo, because uh, obviously being, me being an amputee, uh, there's actually no classification for me at, in the sport at the Paralympic Games. It's only open to the blind and visually impaired. Wow. Um, so when I was uh, 15, um, during my, my exams, um, yeah, 15, 16, during my exams, um, my friend forced me to go to the gym across the road, this very old, dusty, dirty, leaking gym, a bit like Rocky Balboa sort of style gym, which I love. <laughs> Um, and that, that day I lifted like a hundred kilo my first time Wow! And I, got, I got spotted and, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was the start of powerlifting. That's amazing. Michelle. So is it that you, as soon as you lifted that, you, the power, cause I mean, I go to the gym, right. And I've, I've been to the gym a lot. And unfortunately now in the pandemic, I haven't been much because it's completely closed. They kicked us out and they wouldn't let us back in. Uh, so I hope that changes. But every time I go, there's a certain satisfaction you get from from completing a lift right is it the satisfaction that you got that that you could constantly you know essentially you know beat yourself overcome your previous record is that what kept you going or is it something else no i think what powerlifting did it gave me a another chance at pursuing um kind of my ultimate ambition of getting to a Paralympic games mm. and obviously the the owner of that gym used to be the national coach of the powerlifting team so he knew exactly what to do, how to do it, and um, having a, a kind of a kid kind of rock up, even though he was in retirement age, you know, he was going to, you know, he said, you know, it gave, it gave him one more chance sort of thing to at least retire on a, on a good note. And, uh, yeah, to, to, you know, to, to be fair to him, he, you know, he, he got me to the Beijing Paralympic Games, so before London uh, in 2008. So I was really young, but we managed to get there. Wow, Michelle, that's amazing. And 
I want to ask you because a lot of people, a lot of people think about this, and and when they see people like yourself, like Lewis House, who are you know uh, sports athletes that turn entrepreneurs and that create these amazing businesses, would you say there's a parallel between success in entrepreneurship and, and success in sports? Would you say there's some parallel there? Uh, yeah, I, th I think so. I think um, obviously I'm very new to being an entrepreneur. I haven't even considered myself that shit. Uh, I haven't even launched, so. Um, <laughs> but what I, what I have kind of, um, kind of learned or observed is the art of being adaptable. Mm -hmm. Having a having a foundation like a foundational plan, but the best plans are the most adaptable and flexible plans because you just don't know what's going to come at you and you don't know the challenges are coming. You can preempt things, but you don't know the intensity of that challenge until it's presented itself. Uh, and some and for me, it's the person that adapts the the most or the business that adapts the most um, is the one that potentially could succeed. Um, and I think as an athlete, you do the same thing. Mm, adaptability. That's an interest. That's a really an interesting highlight, right? Because I, I would have thought you would say something like discipline, consistency, adaptability. That's an interesting one. Well, I think if you look at all the kind of, um, you can you can say it's all about being disciplined, but I think that's not new. You, you know, for, for you to achieve something great, you have to be disciplined. You have to be consistent. You have to, you know, sacrifice a few things to to get there. But actually, the you can have all them, but if you're not adaptable and you're and you're, and you're rigid, yeah, you could potentially kind of um decrease the chances of you actually succeeding so for me adaptability is probably the, the key one with everything else on top 100 100 and and it's, it's interesting because when you look at businesses that don't adapt think blockbuster right what happens they close exactly. down <laughs> that's what happens so it's so important and i, I completely resonate with that brother i want to ask you let's talk about you know your entrepreneurship journey because you said you say you're not an entrepreneur but you're very much an entrepreneur because Really, an entrepreneur is someone that brings new ideas and that wants to bring positive impact, positive change in the world. And you've already done that very much with your work on anti-doping as well. And before we even talk about the app, can you share with us a little bit about that? What motivated you to, you know, do this academic research on anti-doping in your industry? Yeah, so um, powerlifting historically um, has been, well, quote unquote, probably one of the the, the dirtiest sports probably at the games in terms wow, of really drug cheating on paper mm -hmm. um only because it's you know it's considered a high-risk sport and it's all about being super strong right um so athletes you know they, they kind of well i guess with, with every walk of life you're, you're gonna get cheaters right and somebody pushing the boat out but yeah. in our sport unfortunately that it's we're more susceptible to that um and i thought i learned from a young age that um sport isn't fair mm. uh, people don't play by the rules usually and um I felt that the system at the time was just not good enough for athletes. Right. So I made it my life's mission as an athlete to try and influence change, to try to make the um, organizations accountable for the, you know, the, the organizations that govern uh, the regulations and the athletes. Uh, so I, instead of speaking out, because if I speak out, I'm a troublemaker, I've got no evidence, uh, <laughs> I... I'm doing a PhD in anti-doping and Paralympic sport to hopefully um, inform them policies in the future. I've actually got proper data, um, and it might prove me wrong or right, but at least the data is there, and that's that's important. Hundred percent. I mean, that's interesting that you say because, I mean, obviously from someone that is not part of that world, I would imagine that it would be more the regular powerlifters that are doping more, right? Because they're out there, you know, and think about like, the, especially the Arnold era, right? <laughs> Everyone was like a giant Hulk uh, back then, mashallah. But obviously uh, probably not all natural, but 
is is there is there a certain reason why i mean in your in your knowledge or in your opinion that the paralympic uh, sports uh, scene is has more doping as you, as you mentioned or more drug use than just the regular one well no so th they both have um okay. problems um it's just powerlifting at the paralympic games is the most high risk sport of all the sports okay. at the paralympic games. wow um, because of the nature of the sport being the you know you have to lift you know, huge weights. It's a bit like weightlifting at the Olympics. Um, because of the weights being lifted, you're more you're at greater risk of potentially cheating to make sure that you lift more. Um, but if you look at all the sports, they're you know some sports are more high risk than others. So, for example, shooting sports are not that high risk because you know it's skill based. But when it comes to physicality, anything that involves you know endurance or strength or power, you're, you're going to get a higher percentage of people attempting to dope um, and that's just how it is mm -hmm. uh, and it's interesting because when i when i hear this as well i mean aren't there right and i know i don't want to put too much focus on that but it's an interesting conversation we're having are, aren't there you know tests that are done usually pre-championship pre-competition yeah look, i think the, the anti-doping system has uh, improved since i started you know 15 years ago it's, it's mm -hmm. had a, you know it's got it's kind of kind of um you know, it's put things in place to make sure that athletes are tested regularly, um, the way that athletes are tested, the intelligence-based testing system, um, and also a universal um, kind of regulation policy where all the countries and governments are on board um, and all the educational programs, everything's kind of, you know, really improved. However, um, athletes and you know, some athletes and some nations, um, and we, we know that from Russia recently, um, the last couple of years, they've had, um, because they know the system very well, they know how to manipulate it. Mm -hmm. uh, when you are um, a kind of a system that knows how to manipulate, that becomes dangerous because it means that you can dope many, many athletes without being caught. And Russia uh, was the example, unfortunately. Wow. It's it's really interesting when you when you hear about that because you would think you know with all the regulations all the tests that this is not happening anymore but it's it's interesting to see that it still is and for you to be part of that and to want to you know contribute in your own way to put a stop to it just showcases your own values and the way that you like to approach the sport which is in an authentic way in a natural way and I completely support that and I want to ask you is your fitness app part of that right is it part of that movement as well and part of you sharing your values this is something else go for it. Uh, I think no. So the, the kind of the the app itself is um, actually completely different to what I do on a daily basis. So okay. I, you know, obviously I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an elite athlete. That's what I'm considered as. So mm -hmm. when it comes to the spectrum, I'm at the highest level of sport. But this this is different. This is recreational. This is community. This is the everyday um, disabled person uh, because I know how lucky I am to have had the facilities and the staff and the team and the funding to help my kind of athlete career. But we know that several people in general, they they haven't got the access that I have or the knowledge that I have. Um, so I wanted to kind of bridge that gap and give them something that bridges that access to, to exercise um, and just to, to, to kind of lead a healthier, fitter life rather than having, you know, having to want to be a Paralympian to get access to that. Definitely, 100%. And so... I want to ask you what when did you start 
And what inspired you, you know, to get started with this fitness app? Because everyone has great ideas. Everyone has ideas that they want to build. And you had this idea that you wanted to bring something that was not for the elite, right? Something that was for the general population. And especially the disabled population, which are underserved in many ways, right? In more ways than one. So what inspired you to create that? And then, you know, many people have ideas. What made you decide, I actually, I'm going to put in the work. I'm not even a developer. I'm not a coder, but we're going to make this happen. Can you share with me a little bit of that story? Yeah, so uh, during the first lockdown last March, um, I had a lot of time on my hands. I was obviously I was doing a PhD, and um, you know I was also training as well, so still still very busy. Um, yeah. But I had a dream. It literally wasn't a dream. Wow! Uh, it was like a, it was like a like like a like, you know like a light bulb moment. Thinking, you know what? Like you've been in gyms all your life. And you've never questioned why you're the only disabled person in the gym ever. Hmm. How, how could you? How could you not question that? Because um, obviously, I guess I'm. You know, in the elite system, you get protected, and you see a lot of disabled people. But when I first started, like there was no disabled people in the gym apart from me. Now, is it because I adapted well, or is it because there's barriers there that I don't know of? Hmm. Um, and I kept kind of thought. I thought to myself, how can you um, kind of give access to disabled people um, that in a way that's one accessible two uh gives them knowledge and guides them on their journeys um but also remember i'm not an expert on every single disability i'm a double amputee that is where my expertise and that is it obviously i know how to you know write programs and you know train intensities and stuff like that and nutrition and stuff like that but like when it comes to serve different disabilities i'm not i'm not an expert so i thought how how do i bring something to them that is not gonna hurt them or you know it's not gonna you know do damage so i thought well there's there's two things here i thought the fitness industry is jam-packed at the moment right there's so many different apps or programs or personal trainers and uh, and it's quite generic in my opinion um but actually i thought to myself what about an app a fitness app especially designed for the disabled community and i thought don't be silly somebody's already done this right like it's not. It's not a new idea, surely. Um, you, you're not that clever. Um, so uh, I did that. So that morning, I woke up at five, uh, and I did two hours of research, and I, I, I couldn't find anything like this ever. Like wow. So I rang my manager and said, "Look, this is my idea. I don't know how it's going to look like yet, but this is my idea. What do you think? Do you think it's nuts with my work schedule?" And he goes to me, "Ah, this is, that's a, it's a pretty good idea." He's like. Has it been done? I was like, nope, I've checked. Uh, and, th- and there you are. And that's how it started. Wow. And, and that just goes to show, right? Because, you know, you think, you, I mean, let's just let's just be really here, here for a second, you know, Adi. And you mentioned it yourself. The fitness app is huge. And uh, not, not the app, sorry. The fitness scene is huge, right? And you look at, you know, you go just go, go in Google, the Google Play Store, the App Store, and type in fitness, right? And I mean, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of apps for fitness. And, and you're telling me not a single one of them catered to the disabled population? Not specifically, no. Um, wow. they've, got, they've got some disability in there, but it's so generic. Like, it's actually, I'm like, how is this even allowed? Right. Um, what research have they done? Um, right. so I, what I felt in my, in my mind, I thought the only way to do this is to um, make sure the app is accessible for every impairment. So what I'm going to do is is that um, kind of split the app into 
impairments. So when wow. you kind of, so for example, I'm a double amputee. If I sign in, say I'm a double amputee, I get a catalogue or a library of exercise video exercises performed by somebody as a double amputee. Wow. And they're, just, and they're just exercises. They are not a training program. We don't tell people what to do. People can pick what they can and can't do and put it into their own training program. Uh, mm -hmm. And that home-based to gym-based to outdoor-based. So we're giving people the empowerment and the education to guide their own journeys rather than us telling them what to do because I'm not an expert on everybody. Um, right. So it's, I think that's the only way to do it, I think, for the disability community. Uh, but the one, the one thing that I'm very proud of is probably the accessibility rating scale for the local gyms in their, in their, in their area. So literally, they can literally rate the accessibility of their gym in their local area. So we get all that data and take it to government and go, look, you're not doing enough. Uh, let's let's change it. So yeah, the, the app's gonna, you know, I think it's gonna be a game changer. Uh, it's a lot of work as you can uh, imagine, because it's obviously different impairments require different challenges and different videos and stuff like that. Like, um, I, I like challenges. So uh, we'll see what happens in the summer. <laughs> 100%. Uh, I, I wanna ask you because I, I, was, I literally was getting chills when you were saying that because just the, the amount, I mean, when you're explaining to me and I can hear the passion in your voice, but how necessary it is, how necessary it is and how underserved, you know, the disabled population is, it rings so true. And it's something that I don't realize. And right. And uh, I, I'm not going to lie. Like I, you know, it's not something that I even bother looking into and that's my bad, right? Like that's my bad because I'm, and it's like you mentioned, it's almost like th this place of privilege of, Oh, I I'm, I'm okay. So why would I even research what's available for the disabled population? Why would I, care and it's like no you should care right because you're you know you could be like this one day to get into a car accident and you never know what happens your children's could be your children could be like this your siblings your, your parents so you know so there, there's a lot of people that look like this every day and we're all human beings at the end of the day and we need to help each other in every way we can and you are completely right in that the accessibility that right now is available is is abysmal right it's it's terrible and i i love what you've shared about number one that they are going to be able to get workouts from someone else that's like them. Like, mashallah, that's amazing. But that's a giant project, brother. Like, how are you going to do that? Are, are you guys going on like uh, Facebook Marketplace or, 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 or and like researching people? With specific how are you doing this? So, so um, we knew that the person in the video has to be relatable for that disability uh, because I don't want an able-bodied person to be in the video telling a disabled person what to do. It's just silly. Um, right. Actually offensive, I think. So, so the, the person in the video is not a personal trainer or anybody that's um, kind of into fitness like I am. Right. What we're doing is we are, so I've, I've, I've got a content manager where we come up with the exercises. So the content managers are qualified, highly qualified. And all we're doing is kind of, kind of um, showing the, per the demonstrator or the presenter, for example, what, um, what the exercise is. And it's like a silent demo. And the demo is only about 20 seconds long with a voiceover and subtitles, so it's accessible. Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of obviously you can see what the ex exercise is. It's just kind of showing disabled people what they can do with their disability. That's it. Right. Uh, because I feel like, as I said, we're not experts and the data and the research out there is non-existent. Um, so we need to start somewhere. And I'm hoping that this is a good place to start and hopefully there's an appetite in the future for research. So it actually educates the app and informs the app in the future. But at the moment uh, with hardly any data, we have to do something. And I guess people are scared to, but I'm not. So uh, yeah, we'll, see, we'll see what happens.
Definitely, definitely. And you mentioned so- and you mentioned something as well that that I want to highlight as well, brother. And it's it's essentially that you're gonna allow you know the the users of this app to rate their local gyms, which I think in itself that could literally be its own thing. But it's gonna be part of it, which is amazing because is is that even available right now? Is there such a rating out there? Uh, not for access. I don't think for accessibility. I think um, okay. when it comes to actual users going to a gym, disabled yeah. users going to a gym, there is, I don't th- I've not seen an accessibility scale for gyms. Right. Um, so I, that was the first thing I thought of when I thought about the app. Not only wow. about the videos being relatable, but th- that that system being, that rating system being there because it means that we actually got data, like genuine data from everyday person on the ground to actually go to government with and say, actually, look, these, these gyms are not doing enough. What can you do in law to make these gyms be a little bit more accessible in the future, you know, can can they be twenty percent better or thirty percent better, and 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 how? Um, and I guess as well, we'd like to get gyms actually going. You know what? We want a high, we want a high rating. We're going to change. So yeah. hopefully that that goes. That's a domino effect across the country. Um, and obviously, you know, for us, we'd love the app to be in every single country in the world uh, because I think, um, uh, you know, for me, it would be great to, you know, have. Well, there's, there's one billion disabled people in the world, right? Yeah. So imagine imagine what you can do for that one billion um, population in terms of just getting them healthier. 100%. And, and what's amazing from an entrepreneurship perspective is you, you saw a need for a specific niche, for a specific target audience, and you decided to fill that need to solve that problem. And that's really where the best business ideas are, are, are created. It's where you are serving a very specific subset of the population with a specific problem. Right, because there's a lot of general, you know, business ideas out there that you know are trying to cater to everyone, and it's always very difficult to get those going and to really be successful. So, I really love that you know you've you've seen something in a specific target audience, a specific problem, and you're now offering a specific tailored solution. And that is really what makes the best businesses, the best apps, the best software. I want to ask you because you're probably familiar with the software or the app Strava, correct? Yeah, you know about it. Okay, so. I want to ask you actually, and this is uh, off the cuff, but do you plan to implement something similar in your app so it's community-based, where people can actually track each each other's accomplishments and you know have some sort of sense of community there? Yeah. So in the app, there's a social hub where you can okay. um, share your progress. You can um, like kind of motivate, empower. Um, also, as well, you can actually um, kind of talk to people about. Every like everyday like fitness, mm-hmm. so you can actually go and meet up with other salespeople and go to the gym together if you want to. Um, so the social hub element in the app is that awesome. community-based um, thing in the app, um, meaning that actually, I know a lot of the salespeople struggle to go to the, the gyms by themselves, but actually, if you've got somebody coming with you in the same boat as you, uh, that yeah. that that's more likely for them to go. So we we that was very important for me to, to have it in there, even though it's a big big task having a social hub in, in an app uh, on top of everything else. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I probably, I mean, I don't know if you guys are going to put it as part of your your beta or your, your initial version, but I do, you know, when we talk about end products, because that is in itself, that own social platform could be its own thing as well. It is so, there's so much that goes into it, right? So let's talk about that a little bit, Adi, because you, my friend, are from a background of a professional athlete, a power lifter. You are, from what I know, you are not a coder or a developer. And a lot of people, they have these app ideas and, and you know, they, they want to put them out and they realize, oh man, but that means I got to go and I got to learn code. So what path did you take? Did you decide, okay, I'm going to take a few coding courses or is this, is there something else that you did to bring it to life? 
so yeah, so I'm I'm not a business person at all. Uh, I'm definitely not an app person or a or a tech person. So, uh, but the one thing that I keep saying, I think I said it from the beginning, is adaptability. Uh, the only way you adapt is as you learn. So um, I went away and thought, right, how do I create an app? Who do I need? Uh, and what knowledge do I need to have to to be able to pull this off? Um, so is it going to be more cost effective if I learn, um, or do I outsource it to some really good, smart people and explain to them what exactly I really want? Because obviously the disability market is, well, it's non-existent, and a lot of the app developers have no clue about disability and fitness, but they know about fitness. But I had to make sure that I actually educated the the, the app people too, so I outsourced mm -hmm. it. Um, but I also had to teach them a few things too. So actually, we're both in the same boat. Amazing. Wow. So you actually went and you outsourced. Can you, if it's okay with you, is it okay if I ask you, uh, and you don't have to share with me details, but what was that process like? Did you go on sites like Upwork, Fiverr, or did you take a different avenue? So I was quite lucky. So um, my manager, he is based in the Ukraine. Um, okay. And his, his network's quite vast. Um, and he said, oh, I know, I know two app companies here that like yeah, they, they've created loads of fitness apps. Um, right. If you want, we can like kind of, they can pitch to us and see which one we like most. Um, so yeah, they, they both kind of had a meeting with both of them uh, and uh, we picked one and uh, they've been incredible since to be honest. So Amazing. yeah, yeah unfortunately though, like when it comes to disability, they, had, they both struggled in that sense. Uh, but actually when it comes to the fitness side, they knew exactly what they were doing. So actually I just had to kind of educate them the way they were educating me. So it was a good partnership. Yeah, for sure. And I think even just you bringing that to the world, it's awesome because it's that, that part that you mentioned, the education, right? As in even, even just you working with that company, they realized, okay, wow, this is a need now. And, you know, we're learning so much about this. And that is hopefully going to translate in future products that they do as well, which is always amazing. Now, I want to ask you, and this is something, you know, I'm glad that we eliminated this bias because a lot of people that listen to this podcast um, are people who want to be entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs or current entrepreneurs. And they have these ideas for apps, for software, and they always tell themselves, I'm not a quarter. How do I do this, guys? So outsourcing is really, you know, an, an efficient and effective way when you don't have the necessary skills required to accomplish something. So go ahead and do that, guys. Now, let me ask you, entrepreneurship, like professional sports, it's a lifestyle. Right, you know, you got to work on the business. You got to put in hours, and you have to be consistent. You know, it's not a job where you clock in, you clock out. So, I want to ask you, with the discipline that you've trained yourself to have as an athlete, right? Has this made working on your business and building this app easier for you, right? Because you already had the proper habits in place, you already had the right mindset. Was this easier for you? Um, yeah. So, so I think what what kind of um what being a well potential entrepreneur has taught me is actually, uh, I think I said to you before, business standards are a bit lower than athlete standards. Right, we talked about that, yeah. <laughs> That's not any kind of like, I'm not being disrespectful, it's just at the top level of sports, you have to be so harsh on yourself mm -hmm. and the team has to make you as accountable as possible on a daily basis, is that, you know, when you kind of retire, um, you don't get that standards ever again. Right. So when it comes to business, that was the mentality that I was having. Unfortunately, though, we know that in you know when I was pitching to a lot of investors, for example, um, they thought I was intense. They thought um, you know, this guy's nuts. Uh, there's, there's no data to support what he's saying. 
Uh, and, and I'm like, well, and also they take a long time to reply to you. Things yeah. are not, things are not done quickly like elite sport is. So I had to actually change. Well, not really change, but um, I had to like accept that actually things are going to take longer than what I'm used to. Mm. Uh, that was the big thing for me about you know the, the standards in between business and elite sport. And I think that's why a lot of corporate companies always want athletes to come in to kind of you know talk to the employees about elite mindset in business so yeah it just shows you that even businesses want athletes in there 100% 100% yeah it's true and they, they you know they bring coaches you know of big sports teams to come and talk to their employees and it's interesting when you say that so you know i i actually experienced this myself and to be honest i'm a culprit myself of this which is sometimes i'll get emails and i'll I'll wait a day or two if it's not urgent right i mean but how do we balance that Adi? because as an entrepreneur, as, as, as you know, your work grows and you have so many, you know, projects to work on and people to reply to, et cetera. How do you manage? I want to ask your perspective. How do you manage your time, right? How, how do you go about managing your time, managing your day as efficiently as possible? Maybe we can get some tips from you, get some learnings there. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> the answer is don't do what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> I don't have like three massive projects at the same time. Um, I, I've, I've got a rule. Right. So if I see the message or reply to you, um, right. I, so for me, like it's all about efficiency and being quick, but being productive and also doing it to a high standard, mm-hmm. uh, not, like wasting any time. Uh, but I know a lot of people like, for example, when, when, when I, when I kind of uh, was talking about the app in the beginning, we, literally people were like taking weeks and weeks to reply to me. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, and then when they replied to me, I was like, well, I was like, I'm two weeks ahead. And now I have to update you again because you didn't reply to me. So right. the thing is, like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'll, I'll reply in a week or so because I have to think about it. But what happens in that week in between? Um, yeah. yeah, you might be further ahead or behind and you have to update that person again. So, like, for me, I update them when I see the message and then they can do what they want with it. But uh, for me, as long as they're uh, – if, if they're important – for you to, you know, if, they, if, they, if you've got a message and they're important, you reply to them ASAP because um, I think, some, well, for me, I don't like wasting any time at all. 100%, 100%. And uh, I completely resonate with that. And to be honest with you, I might take this up as a practice because I myself kind of have my morning routine where I check my emails and I reply to the urgent ones and then the less urgent ones, maybe I'll leave until the end of the day so I can take my time with them a little bit more. But I like this concept of if I see it, I reply to it. It just kind of gets it done immediately. You don't have to think about it anymore. Although I don't know if this is sustainable when you have like a hundred emails coming in though. We gotta we gotta talk about that a little bit more after the podcast. <laughs> See what we can do there. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, so I think so <laughs> I, I, so I get bombarded every day. Right. Uh, but like the, the the thing is is um if they if they if they're, if they're gonna affect the outcome of what I'm trying to achieve, mm. then you reply. Right. Because these people um, they could be important to you in the future, but you don't know that yet. And also, um, I think they also appreciate you replying quick because it means that actually you give them, you know, you kind of give them that that time, um, which means actually eventually in the future they could do things at a discount or for free. Right, hundred percent. I completely agree. It's true. Okay. They, they feel like you have you you give, you give more weight, more importance to the relationship. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's and that always usually resonates when you feel like someone has given something to you 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 initially you incline to give it back and it's interesting because that's a marketing strategy in itself when you see all these ads 
uh, of people putting out you know free trainings, free webinars, on, constantly on on social media, etc. The reason is they want to give you something for free, so you watch it, and then they feel like you're kind of slightly indebted to them, right? So you you might want to book that call or go through their program. So it's interesting how that works. How the human mind feels like you know they want to reciprocate, they want to return. That's a natural, maybe it's a natural fitra that we have, right? Uh, subhanallah. So I want to ask you, what advice would you give to someone who might be listening to this? And uh, now we're going to go back to you know who feels like it's hard to pursue their goals, right? Due to a disability or even maybe a mental health issue, right? Or challenge that they might be facing in life, right? Uh, I wanna ask you, what advice could you give to someone like that? They feel like there's something bogging them down. They feel like, you know, it, it's harder for them than other people. That's a good question. So I think, I think the thing that you have to ask, ask yourself is, is that the, the, the goal that you set, is it, um, is it something that motivates you so much that you're willing to give it up because there's a few hurdles on the way? Right. Because I think if you don't achieve it, you're going to look back and regret that you let a few things hold you back when you weren't, you know, when you could have be actually um, been more adaptable. Uh, and put things in place to try and get over them hurdles to achieve that goal. So I keep saying to people, like, if you've got a goal and it's that big, what are you willing to do for it? Right. Um, and, and, and the thing is, everyone has their struggles, don't they? Um, you know, I, I know in, in the moment you think your struggles are the worst, um, but everyone has their own struggles. But it's actually the people that get through it are the people that are the most adaptable to the situation and they go look I, I am struggling but actually look what i'm capable of too to counter it like you know i'm, I'm a human being like i've got my faults but actually i've got all this potential as well and i really want to utilize that potential because i can get close to that goal and that goal is huge uh, so it depends on what your passion is i think if you're passionate about something big enough you're willing to to, to really work for it 100 percent, it's true and honestly that's really why when i talk to you know people who message me and they reach out and they're like, I want to start a business. They, I always ask them, you know, why are you choosing this specific business model? Why are you choosing to work with this specific audience? And when they tell me, well, look, I, I really, because that's what I think is going to make the most money right now. I always tell them, I don't, I don't feel like you should be doing that. Right. Just for the sake of money, because to be honest with you, you are going to be faced with challenges, even in business, what, no matter what you do. But the only thing that's going to get you through is, you know, your ability to withstand those challenges, to overcome those obstacles. And the only motivation you'll get when you're faced with these challenges and obstacles is the motivation that comes from your passion towards what you're doing, towards the goal that you're trying to achieve. So I completely resonate with what you shared, brother. And I completely agree. And I share the same sentiment as well with all the entrepreneurs that I speak to, which is, guys, if you're going to do something, do something you're passionate about. Now, that doesn't mean that you just follow passion blindly and you ignore completely like what the market needs, what the market wants but see if you can combine both. And that's that sweet spot that you're trying to look for, right? I think, I think when it comes to um, like business ventures, it's all about the, the, the internal reward. Mm -hmm. um, like the, the external reward will take care of itself if it's that good, right? If you're, if you're adaptable and you try and pursue all your, um, like try to get as much potential out of yourself as possible, um, that will take care of itself. But actually internally, like why are you doing this? Um, yeah. Imagine waking up every day going, oh, it's all about money. Like, that's not really rewarding. Um, 
because you're chasing something that's not guaranteed. But actually, the feeling of, um, you know, your pursuit of your potential as a human being, that is a big reward to go chase. Yeah, definitely. 100%. I completely agree. And there is no better feeling than achieving something that you didn't think was possible for yourself or, you know, over overcoming a certain obstacle that you felt was impossible to overcome, right? I, this is it. I can't move forward. And when you actually do, to realize the potential that you have as a human being and the things that we're able to achieve really is the best reward in itself, subhanAllah. So I really echo that sentiment and I love that you shared that, brother. I want to ask you one more question before we dive into our Q&A. And for those of you that are watching with us live today, if you have any questions to Ali Jawad about fitness, about his app, about his professional athlete career, or anything else that we've discussed or maybe not discussed, please let them let me know in the comments and we'll see if we can answer a few of those, inshallah, in our upcoming Q&A. But there's one more question that I have for you before we dive into that. And it's if you could meet Ali Jawad that was, you know, let's say you you won your, let's say you won your first medal in 16. So let, let's say a little bit more than earlier than that. Let's say 13, 14 right? Young Ali, right? Wants to compete, right? He's passionate about that. He wants to go for it. You could tell him one thing that you could hold on to on his journey, right? To kind of, you know, as his companion, as he goes through, uh, as he goes through life, what would that one thing be? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> look at, looking back now, I think I'd tell my younger self um, to, well, well, I think it's probably represents my career to no matter what happens no matter what good bad in between um don't give up always hang in there mm. hang in there enough consistently you're going to give yourself a shot just hang in there 100 100 percent. and i think that's really the key that if you just persist a lot of times it's really about persistence right it's really about persistence a lot of times the businesses that are successful, the people that are successful, they've just outlived the ones that aren't successful, right? They've persisted through time, right? They persisted through these changes. And as you also mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, so insightfully is that they've adapted, right? Adaptability is also huge. So thank you for that. We're gonna dive into some audience Q&A guys. So make sure to send us your questions that you have for Brother Ali, inshallah. We got one here actually from the audience, uh, which is, you know, because we actually talked about this, so it's interesting, is do you plan to become the Paralympic strongman champion, right? So <laughs> I know we talked about if you're actually going to continue competing as well. So share with us a little bit insight into that. Uh, strongman's not at the Paralympic Games, so that'd be quite... Uh, so that's a good clarification to make. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so Tokyo potentially this year could be uh, my fourth Paralympic Games, uh, could be my potentially my last one uh, in terms of the Paralympics because of um, my health with Crohn's. Um, I need to go find a solution to, to make myself healthy. Um, but if it, if it is uh, my last one, um, I'm, I'm lucky that, you know, I've got the app and the PhD to kind of focus on in the future. Okay. Um, I've, done, I've done that on purpose because I, I always want to, I always think forward. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I think um, at the moment, my, my health needs, needs taken care of. Um, I'm, but I'm still hoping to get to Tokyo this year and put a performance that um, you know, it will be a good way to, to to go. Inshallah, definitely, hundred percent. So, right now in Tokyo, what is what is what are you competing for exactly? Can you share with us a little bit more about that? What kind of lifts? Yeah, so um, in my body weight, so um, I'm going to need. Well, I think to, to qualify, 
I'm going to have to be in the top eight men in the world in my body weight to go, just to go. Wow. Uh, and then, uh, to, to, I'm, I'm probably thinking I have to bench press over 170 kilo just to make it. Uh, and the medals between, well, it has to be 180 kilo or above for the medals, I think. So, yeah, quite huge, quite huge uh, lifts. Mashallah. So top eight just to qualify. Just, just to qualify. Just to go. Yeah, the, the standard is absolutely, uh, it's insane. You can't really rationalize it to a to a, per, like a normal person that hasn't <laughs> seriously um but yeah it's, yeah it's, it's it's a ridiculous number just to go uh it just shows you the standard in our sport 100 i want to ask you real quick before we would dive into the next audience question how do you balance you know you're, you mentioned you're working on all these things right your academic work um and your uh, upcoming tokyo uh competition as well as your fitness app how do you balance everything right now uh long days <laughs> <laughs> no so I keep saying it's not the person that's um, that works the longest. It's the person that's the most productive. And I think my time is so productive. I still get hours of sleep a night. So I'm doing very, very well. Um, unfortunately, though, it just means that um, I'm not, uh, well, people think I'm quite intense in terms of the way I do things. Um, and unfortunately, relationships, family, friends have had to take a back seat for me to pull this off. Um, they understand where, where I'm going and, know what impact i could have and i think um to have support with people around you is also very important for sure 100 percent, completely agree uh we got one more for you brother and this one is let me just pull it up here so this one is actually okay so let's actually touch this on this one when is it going to be released when is the fitness app going to be released any news there yeah potentially in the summer okay. um covid is do, like kind of delayed us a little bit because of the filming aspects of it because you have to be in gyms and have to film with actually vulnerable considered vulnerable people because they're all disabled. Um, so hoping by next month we can actually start filming. Um, and hopefully yeah, a release date will be in the summer, just before the Paralympic Games. Um, but what the, the idea is to focus on a few impairments first and then add in an impairment, a new impairment every couple of months. And then we build it that way. Because I think it's important that you nail one impairment, make it incredible. And then that'll be the benchmark for the future impairments. So it's important we do, we do it that way, I think. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, everyone, you need to start with a minimum viable product, right? You, I know we talked about, you know, all these awesome things that we, that you want to have, inshallah, the summer as part of the app, which I'm super excited to really see the finished product, which naturally will take, you know, a couple of months, not a couple of years. Uh, but you're, you have to start with, a, for entrepreneurs listening, a minimum viable product, just the, the core offer of what you're going to do and then grow from there along with their user base, inshallah. So, that's exciting to hear. So where can people stay up to date on that if they want to know when it's going to be released, if they want to make sure that they're up to date on the latest news, where can they follow you for that information? Yeah, so um, Accessercise, you can follow on all social media platforms. Uh, okay. So uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, to keep up to date with it. Um, I think the, the, the journey of the app is quite a unique one because um, we're doing it remotely because of COVID. Um, and obviously you've got somebody that, uh, has no business now at all. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Mashallah. So guys, you heard it here. Accessor size. Okay. Uh, we dropped, uh, well, I actually showed it up on the, pulled it up on the screen, but if you're listening on Spotify or Apple podcasts, we're going to make sure we link it in the description of the episode. So go and check the episode notes and I promise you it will be there and follow them and what they're doing Accessor size because they are doing amazing work mashallah there's two more questions that we have so we're going to try to go through them uh before we end if that's okay one is um another one from the audience and i really appreciate you for for asking this question so what would you like to say to the people whom allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed 
with legs and hands, et cetera. So completely fit, right? So that's an interesting question. What would you like to say to people who, you know, they've been blessed with, you know, all, all their limbs, essentially? I'll probably challenge them on that and mm. say, just because you've got hands and legs, does that make you fit? Right. Because, right. Uh, like, having no legs, I'm one of the most, well, I'm considered one of the most fittest people, one of the strongest, like, one of the strongest people on the planet. I love um, so having legs, having limbs, having arms, it doesn't make you fit. Um, what, it, what, it, what it does do, it means you can walk and you can hold things and actually, yeah. you know what? You don't actually need that anyway. Like, I, I don't, you know, I'm lucky that you know, I, I saved a lot of money on trainers and shoes and socks and actually financially it's been great for me having no legs. So I will challenge that that idea of um, limbs being equals fitness. It, it doesn't. 100%. 100%, 100%. I, I love that. I love that. I love that. I love your mindset, honestly, brother. Like, and it's, it's just thing because, you know, so many, and it's a growing problem. So many people are obese, right? Right now it's with the overconception of food and junk food and sugar and carbs, etc. And subhanAllah, we have, you know, so many people that don't have their, that have all of their limbs and we don't take care of them, right? We don't take care of our bodies. We don't take care of our, of, of this amana that God has given us, right? This, this gift that God has given us we don't take care of it and we neglect it. And then what happens is we, we lose its function and you subhanAllah, you're able to actually decide, you know what, I'm still going to go and I'm going to be fit. And I'm going to be one of the strongest people in my league in the world, which is amazing. Mashallah. It's absolutely no, inspirational you. brother. So I want to, <laughs> once, once someone says nice joke on the saving money on shoes, <laughs> I love it. On the nap, come on. <laughs> love it we got i got one more for you brother and um this one is going to be what we're going to wrap up with and i think that's the best way to wrap up which is what can people do okay what can people do listening to this to help the disabled population in their own way to support the disabled population to bring more awareness to you know the needs of the disabled and to hopefully you know bring or tell the government reach out to people that are in power about the needs of having more accessibility, right? And the institutions around them and, you know, the, even the, the buildings, the hospitals, all these places that are essential for us. What can people do? What, if they're listening to this, I wanna know what you, what advice you have for those people. So from my experience, and it's just my experience only, I can't really vouch for everyone else, but people like saying they're gonna do things. Hmm. People like raising things without doing anything. I'm a person of, if you're gonna say it and there's no action, I don't believe you. I need proof. So what I say to people is, make them as accountable as possible until you see action. And if there's no action, you keep knocking the door until you see action. And, and for me, I'm gonna tell a person that, you know, if someone's gonna, if somebody says they're gonna do something, I'm gonna make them accountable until they do it. Because um, unfortunately, a lot of, uh, well, we know a lot of politicians say something and don't, and then don't do it. So. But the thing is, we know politicians is all about data. We know that when it comes to law and implementation of different laws, it's all about data. So now, because of the app having that uh, rating scale, we're going to have data. So they can't say, oh, you know, yeah, we want, we want to help, but you've got no data and you can't prove it. We, we can actually prove it now. So I'm hoping, forget about the app just in itself, that rating scale is going to be the most important factor because that is what's going to lead to policy change, I think, hopefully. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and I can. I'm I'm so excited for that, and not only for that, but for all the changes that your app is going to bring. Not only in in showcasing just you know the ratings of accessibility for all the gyms and fitness 
uh, institutions around us that, you know, there's so many and they don't have rails, they don't have any accessibility features, but not only that, but also actually providing a solution as well, not just saying this is what's wrong, but also saying this is what's wrong and we're going to try, we're trying to fix it as much as possible on our end, but we need your help. We need your support. We need you to back us up here, right? And show building that community and all that aspect, go for it. Yes, I think I think I need to state that we're not trying to, um, you know, like have a go at gyms. Mm -hmm. what, we're doing, what we're doing is we're going to go look. We want to we want to give you more clients and more people and more subscribers, but you, you, you know you're, you're kind of re reducing that because there's no accessible equipment. The knowledge in the gym for disability is not great. Um, you're actually you know you're, you're actually like undermining your own business, and we right. want to help. Um, you know, so for me, it's actually working with the fitness industry to, to make it better. And I think the, the fitness industry is powerful enough to, to definitely influence that potential um, policy change in government because, you know, it is big enough. And the government, you know, rely on people's health to, to make sure that people are healthy and that they're living good lives. So actually, why not, why not for the disabled community too, which are neglected um, on the whole when it comes to fitness? Yeah. Completely agree, brother. I think for everyone who listens to this podcast, guys, if you guys can actually, you know, support this brother, Ali Jawad, go and follow his app, Accessorize, follow what he's doing and support him and give him, you know, give him your support in different ways, whatever you can bring, send him a message, reach out to him. If you can, you know, give him value in one way, shape or form, make sure to do that and let him know that you are doing that thanks to this episode, inshallah. And that would be awesome. So, where can and I mean we already asked that, but even for yourself, if they want to connect with you specifically, Ali, where should they go? Right outside of access to sites, we'll drop links for that as well. But how can they connect with you? Well, if you want to follow me as a individual, um, <laughs> I'm also on all the social media channels. Um, you, you'll find me because I'm I've, I've got I've got I'm lucky enough to have a blue tick. So uh, <laughs> my name in yeah, you've probably seen me. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow me as a as Ali Jawad and not the app then yeah that's where i am um but like make sure that you're ready for some trading videos and um me being quite silly um, <laughs> rather than being professional on the app <laughs> love it love it mashallah so make sure you guys go do that guys twitter ali jawad 12 okay make sure to go check that out and uh, i'll drop all the links in the description and the episode notes ali thank you so much for joining us on this episode today brother i can't express my gratitude enough to you and just honestly what a blessing you are to the Muslim community as well, who can look up to you, you know, as someone who's achieved so much, not only in the fitness world, but also now that's going to achieve so much in entrepreneurship. And I think that's what we need more of people like you, Muslims like you who are change makers who are out there on the ground floor, you know, making real impact, making real changes. And when these other people look and see, wow, this, the founder of this app is, is a Muslim guy and he's out there and he's doing these amazing things. They, they're going to see what, you know, just like, other people should see that, look, disabled, the disabled population is just like us human beings and we have to help them in every way we can. Muslims are human beings just like us and we have to you know, help them in every way we can. And so I believe that in the end, we can all connect together through our humanity. That's really what I'm hoping. So inshallah, I'm hoping that with the work that you're doing as well and everything that you're achieving, that this is going to help bring that. And you are just an inspirational brother and I love connecting with you, brother. So thank you so much for being on this podcast. It was an honor and a pleasure. No, thank you. My, my pleasure for having me on. Thank you. It's a pleasure, brother. So guys, thank you for watching this episode. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure to subscribe, give us a rating and keep tuning in every Tuesday. Inshallah, we'll give you a new episode with a new entrepreneur. Take care, guys. Assalamu alaikum.